1: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: The Wild are the NHL entry in these parts. Once upon a time, it was the North Stars, and I was a big fan as a kid. And then uh, Norm Green ripped out our hearts when he moved the team down to Dallas, so if you're a i to remember that. You, you remember how heartbreaking it was. But th- there were a couple of cup runs in this North Star team. One way back in the 80s and, and one in the early 90s. And they ended up losing to the Pittsburgh Penguins, who happened to be in town on Marc-Andre Fleury night. And uh, we're pleased to be joined by uh, the author of a brand new book about that club, and his name is Kevin Allensbach and worked uh, up in St. Cloud at the paper there, the Times, for a long time. And uh, Kevin, good to visit with you, and congrats on the new book.
3: Thank you, Steve, for having me on. I guess I'm, I'm probably dating myself here a little bit, but I think the last time I got to talk very long on WCCO, I was a reporter at the Minnesota Daily when I was in college, and Paul Platley interviewed me at halftime about go for homecoming football game. That, <laughs> so that, that, that is <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty cool because,
2: you know, I, I remember when Paul Flatley was, was doing the games, and of course, I grew up listening to Ray uh, called yeah. Golden Go for Football and Golden Go for Basketball here on CCO. Yep. And Absolutely. then, of course, Bill Deal did a show on Saturdays called College Football Final, and sure. or College Football Review, I think it was at the time, yep. and... When, when I started at CCO in the late 90s, um, the PD at the time, Chuck Dickman, came up and said, yeah, you know, do you remember that college football scoreboard show? And I said, do I? And he said, would you be willing to bring it back? And, you know, in various forms since the late 90s, you've right. been doing that show on saturday afternoons and of course ryan right. klinkner up at st john's is one yep. of the regular contributors sure. and guys around yep. the miac so you know it, it, right. it is kind of funny how you go back in the way back but i yeah i remember paul Flatley. that's pretty well, cool
3: and there's actually a bit of a connection there because that would have been in the fall of 1991 which is right on the yeah. heels of the time that we're talking about with this book that i wrote but you know, we've often had uh, you know discussions. Was that the worst gopher for football team of all time? I mean, they finished two and nine, and it took them eight games, I believe, to kick an extra point. And and uh, the, the the game that I was on with Paul, like I said, it was homecoming, and that was a scintillating six three victory over Purdue. So uh, you know, like I said, uh, certainly certainly quite some time has passed. But you know, you talk about debates that way too. You you just mentioned Norm Green. And I've had this discussion with a lot of people, Patrick Roycey and a few other ones lately. You know, is there a more hated figure in Minnesota sports history than than Norm Green? I mean, you know, I I really can't think of one. I've had people try to suggest maybe, you know, Mike Lynn or. Yeah, I was going to say Mike Lynn. Bob Short. Yeah. Bob Short days, you know, when he took the Lakers away or or what have you. But, uh, you know, it really does seem like there's a lot of angst for Norm Green.
2: Yeah, and and I think, and rightfully so, some things went wrong in his life behind the scenes as the owner, and then to just pick up the squad and and bolt down to Dallas does leave a sour taste. Now, now you brought up your time at the Daily, and as a youngster, now, were you still at the U when you were an intern with the North Stars? Tell us how that came together Uh, uh, during that season. I
3: was. Correct, yeah. I mean, this was would have been in the fall of 1990. And, yeah. you know, I had some experience, obviously. I was pretty sure that I wanted to go into sports writing at that time because I had been working a little bit at the St. Paul Pioneer Press, obviously worked at the Minnesota Daily through my college years. That was supposed to be my senior year. I wound up having to stick around for a couple extra quarters. But uh, I remember walking past, they had a bulletin board in the, the basement at Murphy Hall that had internship opportunities. And I saw this one that said, Minnesota North Stars PR. And I'm like, man, I can't pass up that concept. I mean, to see what it's like on the inside of a major league sports franchise. Now, you probably have to put a little bit of an asterisk with that because that would have been the year that the Timberwolves were moving into the Target Center. It was their second year of existence. So everybody was excited about the Timberwolves. Of course, the Vikings own the state, really, from a pro sports standpoint. And the Twins were only a couple of years off of the 87 World Series win, and, and we're about to win it again. Nobody knew that, but they we're about to win it again in the fall of 91. So the North Stars were a distant force and you could probably say we're even behind a lot of gopher sports really when it came to interest and attention. And, uh, you know, so, but yeah, I mean, I, I welcomed that opportunity. There was two of us from the U that were fortunate enough to, to become interns and, and it was a wild ride from, you know, the the, the games in the fall of that year were drawing flies and, you know, by the second half of the season, they did just enough to get into the playoffs, and and obviously went on a wild run from there.
2: Yeah, I was I was uh, a young adult at the time, out of school in my radio career, and I I do remember, and and it's early in my time in Sioux Falls, if I remember, I'm yeah trying to put the years together. So say we yep. ended up in Sioux Falls early in '88. But still, religiously followed all the teams at right. home: North Stars, Twins, yep. Vikings, of course, and the Gophers. Mom and Dad went to the U. I, I uh, yeah, I, I had a couple of forgetful years at the U. But my <laughs> my point being this is that I still really paid attention, and it was still a big deal. When the stars were right. on TV, especially if I was able to get it on TV in Sioux Falls, which was very right. rare. It was mostly when I would come home and visit my mom and dad when I would get to right. see the stars right. on TV. And, and you're absolutely right. It, it was kind of this magical run in season that came out of nowhere. And that, that's what you're trying <laughs> to capture in the book.
3: Well, it sure didn't start off that way because, uh, you know, the, the Gunn brothers, uh, George yeah. and Gordon, owned the team the previous season, and they really had kind of uh, destroyed any sort of, uh, you know, fan goodwill. And so Harold or uh, Howard Baldwin came in, bought the team. He needed some infusion of cash, and so that's what kind of brought Norm Green on board. And so he pretty much took over the operation. But, you know, opening night, they had maybe 5,000 people in the stands mm. and, you know, in November in November, they were drawing crowds of, you know, 4,000 and some. And, I mean, this is in a 16,000-seat Met Center. So you got a lot more empty seats than you've got filled ones. And so, you know, Norm tried to do a couple of different things. He was the first National Hockey League team to ever have a dance troupe. Again, that was something that they kind of ripped off from the Timberwolves. But he figured, okay, if it works for the Donut Target Center, let's try it here. <laughs> right. uh, I don't know. It, it, you could argue about how that went over with some of the fans, especially the old guard hockey people. But uh, and then, in addition to that, he even tried a, a, a Star State's lottery, where you know they <laughs> they had a couple of other college students that must have been the marketing interns or something like that who. Uh they they had a jersey on and they'd wear one of those uh goalie masks like Jason from Friday the thirteenth or whatever and during a stoppage in play you'd have the spotlights going wild all over the arena and it would stop and it would settle on a seat and the idea was is that these guys were supposed to run over there with an envelope and give it to whoever was sitting there. Well, that worked fine, except most of the time there was nobody <laughs> sitting there. <laughs> so, you know, none of that stuff, none of that stuff was working. Uh. And, you know, there was a point in the middle of January, I'll never forget it, that they played the Montreal Canadiens. And there was probably 5,000 people in the building, and they lost 5-1. to And that was, that was the low point of the season. There was still a few, you know, after that. But... Um, you know, then, it, like I said, they, they started to win a little bit more at home. And, uh, you know, it wasn't a high bar back then. It, you know, the NHL is much different now than it was then. Uh, there were 21 teams in the league then, and 16 of them made the postseason. So, I mean, you had a pretty good chance to make it yeah. know, regardless. Um, and they just happened to be better. You know, they they were better than Toronto, and so they got into the playoffs. But then from, the, from game one of the postseason until – You know, that run came to an end. I can't tell you. (laughs) I mean, I can describe for you what happened, but rationalizing it, that's something else.
2: They only won 27 games during that regular right. season. That's what's so preposterous yep. about it. But if you bring up, yeah, right. 16 to 21 get in anyway, and they get into the tournament fourth in the division. And the idea right. that they'd get all the way to the Stanley Cup final is just, it makes no well, sense. And-
3: the thing of it is, too, is they had to kind of wade through the Sequoias there, too. I mean, they, they wind up facing Chicago right away in the first round. And Chicago had by far the best record in the league, you know, one of the best records uh, in the NHL for, for quite a few years. And they went down to Chicago for Game 1, and, and uh, Brian Propp had an overtime game-winning goal, and that seemed to give them a little bit of a spark, or at least a little belief. But then they came back, they lost game two, and they lost game three back at at Met Center. So, uh, you know, they were kind of, you know, had their backs against the wall already at at that point. But uh, they were able to come back, and they upset Chicago. And then they played St. Louis, which was the second-best team in the league. And they upset St. Louis. And then they wind up playing the Edmonton Oilers, who were the defending Stanley Cup champion and had won the Cup, like, you know, four times in the previous, you know, six years or something like that. Uh, and they wind up knocking off the Oilers in five games. So, uh, you know, it was, it was, uh, like you say, it was a tremendous run. And, and, you know, as that went along, too, you probably remember, I mean, the state, you know, and, and really hockey oh. fans, you know, throughout the upper Midwest, it almost got to the point where it was like a drug. I mean, there was, there was that much, you know, anticipation, excitement, and, and, you know, focus on the North Stars. It was just crazy.
2: Well, and, and I remember thinking during that run, it's like as a kid growing up in these parts and the Twins had won it all in 87, and, you mm-hmm. know, Herb Carniel saying, Guy Eddie to Herbeck and the Twins yep. are world yep. champions. Yep. I, I still yep. in some ways can't believe it that one of our teams really <laughs> did get it done. And then we're on the brink. But, but going into that Stanley Cup final with the Pittsburgh Penguins, I was also like, this is the Penguins. This is Mario Lemieux. This is going to be tough. It, you know, there was kind of like, it, it, hey, this yeah. was a great run, but but in the Cup Stanley Cup final, it was kind of like, yeah, this this is an uphill climb.
3: It, it, and it certainly turned out to be that. I guess the, you know, it, it, it's in hindsight, it's easy to look back and, and feel that way. But the thing to remember is, at that point, you know, Mario was a very good player. But had never really won anything, and the Penguins had really never done won anything yeah, either. I mean, point. these were both yeah. two these, these were both two teams that you know kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, obviously, the North Stars more so than Pittsburgh, but I mean, they both kind of came out of nowhere to make it to the finals. and And then you know the North Stars, as you know, was true to form in each of the first three rounds. They go to Pittsburgh and they win Game One, and it was that same sort of formula uh, where okay, they won Game One, they got a little bit of confidence, they lost Game Two. But then they came back to Met Center and they won Game Three, and that's the thing that's significant here. You know, they were two wins, two games, essentially from winning the Stanley Cup, and it was closer than what the you know they only won one game in '81 when they went to the finals against the Islanders, and and they were down three nothing before that series even you know, before they did win that wow. game. Wow! So yeah, that and one that's one really of that close.
2: Still, still one of the great dynasties in the modern era of the NHL, right. the New York Islanders
3: club. Right, right. But I guess what I was trying to say is, yeah. you know, really, is this really going to happen? I mean, oh, here we're, yeah. we're sitting Absolutely. here. I, I remember, you know, I remember running off copies, which was, you know, largely my <laughs> my number one job <laughs> to run off copies of the game notes. And it's like, this is Game Four of the Stanley Cup Finals. Is this really going to happen? And you know, what's yeah. life going to be like if this really comes to pass? And You know, the the asterisk that goes with that, Mario had a bad back for Game 3, so he was actually an injury scratch that night. Uh, He did wind up coming back and played in Game 4, and the North Stars gave up a couple of early goals, and, and, uh, you know, they fought back really hard. They made that game close, but, uh, you know, that tipped it back to 2-2. to and then when they went back to Pittsburgh the the penguins won again and and so then they were facing elimination and and the game that you know everybody would like to forget is uh you know game 6 uh when you know like i said the the North Stars needed to win to to send it to a game 7 they went up getting beat 8 to nothing which is the worst uh the shutout defeat in Stanley Cup history with the cup on the line
2: yeah the roof caved in by the way we're visiting with Kevin Allensbach and uh, St. Cloud sports writer along the way and now author and has a brand-new book about the 90-91 North Stars Mirage of Des today, and you got a big event coming up at Tom Reed. Before we talk about that, um, real quickly before we run out of time tonight, uh, sure. you put a lot of work into this book. You talked to a lot, as many as you right. could, of the people around the club at that time.
3: Yeah, I mean, all the players, all the coaches that I worked with, uh, front office staff, even some of the media, um, you know, my goal was to to reach out to these people because, you know, it's like whatever your goal in life is, Steve, I mean, you you get close to it. and, And for these guys, I mean, it was in their hand that Stanley Cup, you know, there were two wins from from doing this thing that was, you know, seemingly impossible. And if you got your name on the Stanley Cup, in some ways, that makes you a little bit immortal. And then it went poof. And then not only did the Stanley Cup that year go poof, but within two years, the team was gone to Dallas. And if the North Stars had won the Cup in 91, there's no way they would have left. Norm Green would not have been able to take them out of here within two years of a Stanley Cup victory. So, you know, I went back to all of these folks, you know, Bob Ganey on down. And I started with Mike Madonna because I figured, okay, if, if he'll get on board, then a lot of people will probably follow him. Thank goodness that's exactly what happened. Um, And so my goal was to not only tell the story of that season, but also to put in perspective, you know, what have these guys been doing for the last 30 years? And, you know, everybody knows Mike Madonna. He went on to win the Stanley Cup. He's in the Hall of Fame. He's got a lovely wife and a big family and made tons of money. You know, I mean, he's got the Hollywood story. Uh, But there's a lot of these guys that, you know, they didn't make that much money back then. I mean, it's not like they got – finished with you know. their hockey career and were set for life. So there's a lot of them that are working normal jobs, and some of them have experienced some, some great joys, and some of them experienced some great heartache. And, and that's what I try to tell in the second half of the book um, is, you know, kind of what happened to everybody and to try to put into perspective, I guess. You know, I mean, we all think about winning, and we all think about the Stanley Cup and, and uh, you know, accomplishing our goals and things like that. And it's important, and it's great if you do that. Um, but, if you give your best effort you know and, and yeah. at some point, then you kind of got to own your reality you got to own where you are and what you did and be able to live with it and that 's I guess kind of the lesson in the book well, wow.
2: great story, great work, Kevin, really excited for you uh once again you'll be at tom reed's when 's the book available yeah.
3: Yeah, the the uh, the wild have been fantastic here. Sure. They've actually invited us to unveil the book before the uh, the game a week from tomorrow, uh, February seventeenth cool. against Buffalo. So we're going to be at the X uh, at the XL Energy Center, uh, showing off the book and you know offering that for sale in the concourse. But then the actual launch date for the book is going to be February twentieth, and so from four to seven p.m. Uh, that's a Tuesday. Uh, we're going to be at Tom Reed's Hockey City Pub in, in St. Paul, and be great to see people there. And if you can't get there, you can always go to uh, northstarpress.com. is the publisher that's, that's uh, published the book. So I'm uh, sure you can for, uh, find more there, including a link to uh, to more information about the book.
2: Well, Kevin, good to visit with you. Congrats and all
3: the hard work. Uh, look forward Thank to you, it. Thank you, Steve. Right. Yeah, it was great talking about old memories here.
2: There he is, Kevin Allen, Spock, once again, a PR intern for that uh, 90-91 North Star team that went all the way to the Stanley Cup final before falling to the Penguins, the book Mirage of Destiny. It'll be available soon.
1: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.